So the big question is this, how do we overcome stuttering without years of speech therapy, expensive ear devices, or old school methods that don't really work in the real world? And how do we master our stutter so we can become the confident and fluent speakers we all deserve to be? That is the question, and this is the podcast that will give you the answer. My name is Daniel Francis, and welcome to the Master Your Stutter Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the 30-Day Speaker Summit. We got an amazing guest, Abraham Heisler, um, currently in Portugal right now, but uh, born and raised in New York. And um, he has a he has a background and a knowledge that I believe is extremely key for a lot of people, especially when it when it comes to your mindset and just performing as a whole. And that's why I'm super excited to really get into this with Abraham because he's not someone who just talks about it. He's also a doer and I can't wait to get into it. So if this is one of your first interviews, my name is Daniel Francis. I'm the host of the 30 day speaker summit. And what this event is about is about bringing different speakers with different backgrounds to share their perspective. So you can take all these, these, um, these, uh, these tactics and methods, apply them in your own life. And then 30 days from now, be a completely different individual. So let me introduce Abraham before I get him to say any words. And then the conch is yours. Okay, sir. <laughs> uh, so Abraham Heisler is a mindset and performance coach who has worked with hundreds of business professionals to help them reduce stress and increase impact through, through, through leveraging flow states, which is awesome. And I know if you're a business owner, if you're a salesperson, just an athlete, just someone as a whole, who's a performer, stress is a massive killer. So, so this is, this interview is mostly going to be about me. So uh, too bad kidding. But um, one of the most powerful tools Abraham uses with clients is an active breathing technique that wipes away fear and anxiety while cultivating a sense of certainty. This phenomenon, which works with your own biology, is called um, transient hyperfrontality. Uh, transient hyperfrontality. 100%. There's, there's <laughs> the first everybody. word right there. There's the first word. You got to help me out with that. So Abraham, I'm super excited. I've heard many good things from you. Um, so let's just, let's just kind of get into it. So before we, before we really get into the, awesome. the whole interview, which is engineering certainty, is there any words that you kind of have for the audience? Um, you know, for anyone who's, who's curious more about yourself? Uh, more, well, um, like you said, I'm a mindset performance coach. You can find me at highestlickcoaching.com. I work with uh, business professionals. So everything from solo entrepreneurs to CEOs, executives, uh, business owners, and founders of, you know, seven figure, eight figure companies. And I help them, as you said, I mean, you, you did the intro, but I help, <laughs> I help my clients to overcome stress and burnout and really perform at the highest level. So it's all about resilience and human performance. I love that. I love that. And this is extremely key because burnout is real, especially when you're going hard every single day. Um, yeah. I, I've done door to door. So, you know, I've done like yeah. seven days of just knocking doors and, and that yeah. can uh, hurt you over time. So let's, you know, let's kind of dig into this idea called engineering certainty. What does yeah. that mean to you? And uh, yeah, well, you know, in your own words, what is engineering certainty? So that term comes from the sales world. And if you've done, I mean, you know, from door to door, right? And you've probably read a bunch of Jordan Belfort. Uh, he talks about this a lot. You know, what 
what sells is certainty. If you're, if you have uh, clarity and conviction in what it is that you're selling, if you believe in yourself and believe in the product, then that certainty is transferred onto the audience. Now, here's the thing: it doesn't have to be a door-to-door or uh, an actual like I'm going to sell you a product kind of situation. It could be I'm up on stage giving a talk, and I'm enrolling you in my worldview. Right? I'm enrolling you in my vision. But I need to be able to deliver that worldview with so much certainty that it overcomes your doubt. It over it overcomes your skepticism. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, my biggest question is, where do a lot of people go wrong when you're 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 trying to get them into this this type of mindset? Because I know this idea of being a salesman or a salesperson has such a bad rep. So where do where do a lot of people go yeah. wrong when trying to truly engineer this? That's a great question. So. And just to sort of finish or, you know, loop in that last point, by us being able to engineer our own certainty through mindset, through physiological practices, like what I'm going to show you guys in a little bit, uh, we're able to increase our own clarity. Like we're able to affect our brain in such a way that we create more certainty within ourselves so that we become more influential naturally. All right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing about sales. My background is in film. And I've directed a lot of actors. In fact, it was um, in my study of film and screenwriting and working with actors that's really helped me over the years to, to come to understand human behavior. Okay? And what's really interesting about uh, sales and working with actors is, you know, everybody is afraid of being salesy, right? Everybody's like, oh, I don't want to be salesy. I don't want to be, you know, the, the greasy sales for the, the car salesman, all that, right? And so they end up not having any sort of impact or doing any sort of sales at all because they're so afraid of having this negative impact, right? And it's funny because in the film world, you see people who want to become really wonderful actors, but they're so afraid of looking bad and and being that crappy actor. But unfortunately, that's just a part of the process, right? Mm. Because it's all about, uh, it's all about moving through the uncomfortable bits, right? The uncomfortable parts. If I'm trying to sell you something, and I'm not confident in myself and I'm reading off a script and I'm really nervous, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come off as salesy, right? But we have to go through that. We have to move through that in order to get to a place where it's just coming from a place of natural ease, right? And that confidence is there. At the end of the day, when it comes to sales, right? If you're in sales, this is really important. It's not about getting the money. If all you want is money and you need the money, of course, you're going to come off as salesy and it's going to be unattractive, right? But when you come from a place of confidence and abundance within yourself and you're just showing up to serve and to develop, help that person to develop clarity within themselves, the sale comes naturally. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that's really the difference between being salesy and being a master or what you do, a master influencer, is, is being able to show up with that level of confidence and clarity. So I'm sure a lot of people are having this question, but you know, how did Abraham... Abraham become Abraham. Like, were you a confident individual growing up? Where was that that turning point that happened? I mean, yeah. for me personally, I'm I'm super curious. Uh, not at all, not at all. I I I'll tell you this. Um, I've I've always been ambitious, right? I have had three different careers. My first career was being, uh, believe it or not, being a monk. Kind of like the Jay Shetty thing, right? So um, 
it didn't last long. I was only for like a few years and it wasn't like, I didn't take the vows of being a monk, but I was traveling with monks and I was deep in studying yoga philosophy. And, and I did consider that for the rest of my life. Um, but then I, I decided that I wanted to actually be a filmmaker and inspire people. And so I set out to do that. And I did a lot of incredible things in film and I worked with award-winning actors and the film I did went on to win an Emmy. But I never got to that level, that that like really high level in film, in the industry that I wanted to get. And I did everything right. Like I checked all the boxes. I did everything I, I was told to do. My films were great. People loved it, but I never got there. And when I look back at the reason why, it's because I wasn't fully confident in myself. Hmm. All right. I didn't actually put myself out there with that same level of conviction. I would sort of beat around the bush. I was the... the, the like I am, I still am. I don't believe that you actually ever overcome it, but I, I still am a typical nice guy, right? That's my default setting is to be Mr. Mister Nice Guy, right? And put other people's needs before mine. So I've had to learn, first of all, develop the awareness that I was doing this and then learn all the different practices that I need to do on a daily basis in order to really tap into the version of myself that I need to become in order to achieve my goals. And so that guy is not always nice, right? Sometimes he he's gonna tell the truth, right? He's gonna tell it like it is, right? And that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. That's uncomfortable for a lot of nice guys. And it's like, you know, it takes a lot of, of cojones, right? It takes a lot of chutzpah in order to really to tap into that, but it's totally possible. And there's different things that we can do to strengthen that within us. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, I like that whole idea of like, um, you know, great power comes with great responsibility. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I prefer who the natural nice guy gaining that power where he's got to tell the truth and the person who just kind of had it his whole life or that girl's had it their whole life. Cause they don't, they take advantage of people. So if you have that natural background of, yeah. of being a nice person, when you, when you are that boss, when you are that, when you know the techniques, for example, you uh you 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 treat it with care if that makes sense <laughs> you can come well you can also you can come from that place of service as well which is really which is interesting and I, it's funny i was just talking with a client of mine about this is that there's so many heart-centered entrepreneurs that want to do the right thing and want to help people and want to create an impact but they're not leveraging their power my so my whole brand is called internal leverage it's about how to tap into that power within us in order to then be able to increase our impact and our income. And so it takes us having to work through a lot of these layers of, of shame and guilt and all this stuff that, that we use to hold ourselves back and really take responsibility, not just for the results of our own actions, but take responsibility for our own lives, like with the things that are happening to us, right? Because in some way we are choosing, like we are choosing our relationships, we're choosing our work situation, we're choosing... And every single moment of the day, we're choosing what is happening and how we can respond to what is happening. And that's a very uh, controversial topic for a lot of people. Because there's a lot of stuff in the world. People are saying, well, how am I choosing COVID, right? But the thing is, we can always choose how we respond. Does COVID come and like, you know, crush my business and then I'm a victim? Or can I actually use this as an opportunity to pivot and find something that's, you know, going to be even greater in the long run? So I love how you go internally, because I've done a lot of, you can call it therapy or development on myself to just, I guess, unleash the power within me, as Tony Robbins would say. But uh, <laughs> just kidding. But, but um, you know, for you, Abraham, you know, I, 
while you're going through development, there's a lot of like, I'm super curious your take on what was causing you to be that nice person growing up. And it, was it the parents? Was it the friends? Was it the stuff you're watching? Because I feel like there's now a more a more developed Abraham who I'm talking to, who had to quote unquote get rid of yeah. certain things in his life. <laughs> well, this this now we're getting into like the men's movement and things like that. You know, I've done a lot of men's work, which basically says that you know over the last 50, 60, however many years, we've well, even longer than that, we've lost the tradition, you know, and this is for men and women have their own version of this, but we've lost the tradition of bringing a man or a boy rather from boyhood into manhood, right? And so we don't have the, the, the role models of, of the strong, you know, they, they say the, the king archetype, like the masculine archetype, not like we have plenty of examples of the negative masculine archetype, right? Abusive and you know, uh, all sorts of stuff. The Harry Feinsteins of the world, like all the toxic masculine, we got that. But we have very little examples of, of the positive masculine, the strong masculine. And so in the case of, uh, you know, my family, I can say like when I was growing up, my father, he, you know, he was a product of the 60s and 70s. And it was like, he, you know, he did everything he can, he could in order to, support the the sort of equality of, of all people and you know he was out there fighting for people's rights and, and all really great values but it's kind of like you throw the baby out with the bathwater, right so my father sort of and my father's father demonstrated this like let's let other people how do i say this in a way that's very <laughs> diplomatic um <laughs> dude, dude, you're talking to the wrong guy about basically there, i mean <laughs> I think we're kind of getting off from like what I really want to express with you, but basically it's like this whole like gender imbalance in which men traditionally over the last 50, 100, you know, 100 years, we have disowned that positive masculine archetype. And so I, you know, my father learned it from his father. I learned it from my father and we've seen it in examples in society. And so that's just, that's what I grew up with. I grew up with, you're supposed to be nice. You're supposed to be a good guy. And don't be an asshole, that type of thing, right? But the problem is, is that, uh, you know, if you're constantly putting other people forward and, you know, before you, then you can't achieve what it is that you set out to achieve, no matter how well-intentioned you are. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And I'm curious, because yeah. I think this is a, I think a lot of people are getting a lot of value out of this in their own way when it comes to confidence. So I don't think we're yeah. actually getting off topic. I know, I know we're always about the practicalities, but this is, to, it's all related. It's all related because people are now reflecting on like, yeah, you know what? Like my mom, yeah, my dad. Well, yeah, you know, it's like these these realizations you have. And I'm super curious. The monks, um, is this is this kind of the? Because it's always I feel like because for me because I because I'm Italian, so I can 100% relate. So going to someone's door, knocking on a cold was like against yeah. everything who I was. Like right. literally, do not right. bother people. That was ingrained in my head. Yeah, right. And then I had to right. learn yeah. I'm not bothering them or, or them. I'm serving them. But I, I had this like trigger in my head. <gasps> I hope I hope they're not busy right now. You know, and I would get those people that would come out and say, buddy, I'm working. What's up? 
And I'm like, see, I knew it. This was bad. <laughs> and I had to work that out of my head that no, exactly. it's just, that's just a one-off guy. Or you know what I mean? Like, sure. Out of 10 people, two people might be pissed off at me, but there's eight others that want to be served. So I'm curious, what was that trigger point that was like, you know what? Enough's enough. Did you hit like a low, like, um, I need to change this or was it, you're always just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, and I've told this story before because, okay. So basically for me, being the nice guy led me to depression. All right. I would be in this place where it's like, there's all this stuff that I want to do in my life and in the world and I can't get there. And it's just like, I get frustrated and, and also I'm not expressing everything that I'm feeling. Like for, for instance, uh, I never, like to most of my adult life, I didn't show anger. I would get angry and I just stuff it down and I'd have back problems, right? The moment I started letting out that anger through these various techniques, all of a sudden my back problems went away, right? I went from seeing a chiropractor twice a week to now once or twice a year, right? Just because I'm expressing rather than trying to bottle it up. And so one of the things is that I would just go into depression. So I actually remember there was a, a point in my life, this was about six, seven years ago after I was coming out of my first marriage where I just... I just, I, the, I, again, I had this pent up desire and emotion to do something in, in, with my life and to serve and to be of use and of value. And I wasn't achieving that level, right? I was you know, having a little bit of impact, but it wasn't what I really truly wanted. And so I was waking up at like 3 a.m. almost every day and actually to speak of Italy. I was in Florence at the time teaching filmmaking. <laughs> and I remember waking up and there's just like one of these days I just woke up at three in the morning and I just made this commitment to myself. I said, you know what? I did not come to this earth. I did not, I wasn't born in order to be this like, sorry, sack of shit. <laughs> sorry for swearing. But that was the feeling, right? I just felt like I would just like kept going down to this hole. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to read, I'm going to study, I'm going to get around people who know what's going on. And I'm going to make whatever investment I need to make in myself in order to become the version of myself that my soul, like my real, like the depths of, of who I am, Mm -hmm. feels like is my purpose and, and what it is that I, I'm meant to become. And, and I did. And so that's where I, that's, that's now where I am today. I've, I've invested a lot of money in myself. I've hired coaches and taken courses. And beyond that, I've just put myself out there again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So for, I know in the next interview, uh, we're going to be talking more about the in-depth practicalities of kind of what you do, whether it's the breathing, but, yeah. um, you know, for, for some people that maybe were, you know, um, where you were and want to start engineering this confidence in themselves, what are some practical things that people can start doing today or tomorrow, um, that can change their 2021? Well, so Tony talks about this as well as plenty of other people. It's, it's developing a sense of urgency. Now, urgency, so it's kind of interesting. If I'm, if I'm working with people who are burnt out and stressed, it's because there's too much urgency and everything's urgent. If, if everything's urgent, then nothing's urgent, right? However, if you're in a place where you're not having the level of impact that you want to have in your life, or you're not being as influential as you would like to be, then at that, and, and you're just not seeing the results uh, Occur, right? At that point, you want to get more urgent. In other words, you want to tap into a sense of urgency so that you actually, it pushes you to take action. It pushes you to the point where you say, you know what, enough, enough of this, right? I'm not, I'm not going to tolerate playing small or I'm not going to tolerate, you know, putting other people before me all the time and playing the nice person, the good girl, the nice guy. 
like really get, you have to enroll yourself, right? You have to get yourself to a place where you see, look, if I keep showing up this way in my life, this is where I'm headed, right? Four or five years down the line, 10, 20, my health is going to be like this. My financial situation is going to be like that. And my relationships are going to be like, like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And really get to that place where you say, I'm taking action right now. Mm -hmm. I'm a fuck it. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. I, I love that. And you know, as you're talking, I got a question from my, from one of my clients yesterday and she asked, um, I understand this idea, but, um, how do you handle the fear and the, and the, um, you know, like she cared a lot about what people thought about her. And I feel yeah. like deep down, this is, I say, this is one of the biggest blocks that people face, which is what We're if I put in our heads. Yeah. And like I stutter, right? So now I'm judged, right? I don't, I don't get taken seriously. Or what if someone talks bad about me? Cause you know, it, Italian families are bad for this. You know, we'll, we'll go to a family party on the ride home. Everyone's just talking smack about the family, right? It's, yeah, I think, it's, I think sure. it's most families, right? So what? how do you handle that? Right. What will people <laughs> say? Well, I mean, that's what we're going to talk about in the next section. It's the systematic way to shut down that part of the brain that is constantly analyzing, constantly procrastinating, and constantly talking smack, your inner critic, all right? I'm gonna actually show you guys some physiological uh, hacks, you can, if you will, for, for turning, turning that off, turning that faucet off so it's just not even existent. You're just in this place of clarity, certainty, and power. Mm -hmm. And if you can give us a little teaser, what does that look like? It's transient hyperfrontality. <laughs> All right. So there's different ways you can enter into transient hypofrontality, which basically means, so I'll give a teaser now. Transient hypofrontality. I know it's like a, what is that? Like, you know, everybody, like the ears perk up when they hear it. I don't know what it is about it, but um, it's, it's a term in psychology that refers to when the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain, that's the executive part of the brain that's responsible for making decisions, for analyzing, for having that sort of identity of, of yourself and what is like, what, what's the right next thing? That part of the brain slows down. And the reason why that's actually good for us, not all the time, part of the time, that's why it's transient because it's in and out. The reason why it's good for us is because we live in a society where we are overstimulated, all right? We have more stimulus coming in right now. Uh, I think, I, I can't remember what the, like I, I saw a study somewhere. It said basically like, you compare the amount of stimulus that a person in 2021 gets in one day, it's equal to the amount that a person in medieval times would get in a year or like 10 or something like that, okay? So we're constantly being stimulated that that part of the brain is overactive. It's just going, 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 and we don't know how to turn it off, all right? So what ends up happening is that we get stuck in our head, we overanalyze, we procrastinate, put things off because of this sort of anticipatory fear of what's going to happen. And worst of all, we have this inner critic with this inner dialogue of this like, oh my God, they're going to say this, they're going to, like if you ever watch a Woody Allen film, we have Woody Allen in our brain, like nonstop, right? And some people have it worse than others. So what we have to do is we have to get into this thing called flow, a flow state. Now, there's more and more research coming out about what a flow state actually is and what's the sort of what's happening on a physiological level. But what we know is that um, that part of the brain slows down and we get into a more intuitive 
part. We unlock other parts of our brain and our body and uh, all of a sudden things become more intuitive. Basically, we can unlock our unconscious mind, which is uh, you know, handling a lot more, it's a lot more powerful than the processor that we have in our conscious mind. Some people say that it's our conscious mind is about 12% of our decision-making faculty, right? Or, or just 12% of the brain or 12% of the mind and 88% is unconscious, right? And so if we can leverage the unconscious, all of a sudden we become sharp, right? So when you see Michael Jordan playing basketball and he's in the zone or a, a jazz musician who's just like in the pocket and just going for it, or if you watch the movie Soul, they talk about flow all the time, right? And it's the same, right? Amazing film. <laughs> it's the same, that sort of flow state is like the same state uh, that mystics get into when they're doing deep meditation or deep contemplation or having experiences where they become one with God, right? It's this sort of oneness feeling where, every, where time slows down and we've all had moments of this in our life, but time slows down and we're just in this place where that part of the brain just sort of silences. Like it doesn't matter like what emails we need to respond to or what we need to cook for lunch or, or whatever. It's just like, we're just in the moment. We're in the present moment. And so in that present moment, there's no anxiety, there's no fear, there's no depression, there's nothing. It's just pure consciousness, if you will, pure clarity and confidence, okay? And so my work, my work is really to help people to develop ways of entering that state more readily so that they can be five, like about 500 times more productive, effective, mm -hmm. creative, uh, be able to make decisions with a much more intuitive sense um, and just leveraging more of our physiology than that 12% of the conscious mind. Abraham, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I will see you in the All Access Pass. For everyone watching this, um, if you haven't upgraded, I don't know what you're doing. Again, my name is Daniel Francis. This is a 30-day speaker summit. And in the next interview, we're going to get a lot more in-depth with exactly um, you know, what Abraham is talking about so you can get into the flow state, so you can become exactly who you want to be. Abraham, thank you so much. And I'll see you soon. Peace. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, I don't know if you've seen my free training or not, but you definitely want to check it out. I share my three secrets on how to overcome stuttering and be a confident speaker. So hop on over to MasterYourStutter.com and be sure to watch the training. After the training, you will qualify for a free strategy session with me over the phone. You don't want to miss this. So thank you again and see you on the next show.